0: Welcome to the UND Insider Weekly Podcast. I'm Tim Hennessy, along with Brad Schlossman and Tom Miller from the Grand Forks Herald and Paul Ralston from UND Athletics. This is our uh, weekly chat about, uh, well, everything that we know, which should take about two or three minutes if that's all you're looking for. Uh, no, we're going to talk about hockey and we're going to talk about some basketball. There's still hockey to play. There's still basketball to play and it's all tournament action. It's March Madness, ladies and gentlemen, right here on the UND Insider Weekly Podcast. We'll start with uh, the UND hockey team who eliminated Colorado College in kind of uh, workmanlike fashion last weekend to the tune of seven to one and five to one and move on to the NCHC frozen faceoff in the cities this Friday against Minnesota Duluth. And Brad, maybe the most impressive part about the Colorado College wins were, uh, we only had four goals from the CBS line out of 12. So we had eight from other guys.
1: Yeah, that's good news, isn't it? <laughs> they're finally starting to uh, develop some scoring on the other lines, and I think uh, we started seeing that in Omaha a few weeks ago, and it's kind of uh, kept going the last few weeks, and that's just going to make this team uh, that much more difficult to beat when when they're getting scoring from all the other lines because that top line is still pretty good.
0: They put uh, they put together this lineup, uh,
1: it was a couple weeks ago, when he put uh, Rhett Gardner on
0: the line with uh, Luke Johnson and uh, Austin Pagansky in a very heavy line and and coach Barry said the reasoning uh, that they switched up lines and stuff because they were getting beat by the top lines on the other team well mm-hmm. since he's put those guys together they're not getting beat by the top guys no. Any, anymore. No they?
1: they haven't and uh, those guys uh, are very difficult to play against not real fun when you have three uh, real big guys uh, heavy guys physical guys that uh, aren't a lot of fun to play against and then I think you throw in the line with Johnny Simonson and Joel Janatween and Bryn Chisick, and that line's been really good, too, as a third line. And um, even on the fourth line, you got uh, Chris Wilkie, Shane Gersich, and Colton Sanderson, who uh, in the last few weeks have scored you know almost as much as anyone, too. So uh, I think they're finally getting those threats from all four lines. Yeah, I
0: think it has really helped. I think Joel Janatween and Chris Wilkie in particular as freshmen uh they're at the top of the game right now, or at least as good as I think we're going to see them this year. Don't you yeah, they've
1: definitely taken steps in the second half. They're definitely better uh, players here down the stretch and have been generating more chances offensively.
0: So it's on to uh, Minnesota Duluth. The top four in the NCHC go down to that tournament, and it's uh, it's obviously the best tournament in the country. There's no doubt about that. And Minnesota Duluth, we had talked about before, have, uh, UND has beaten them four times this mm-hmm. year. No. Uh, including a couple of shutouts at Amsoil Arena in Duluth but we you kind of kept waiting for this team to break out of it a little bit because they're they're a good hockey team and looks like they broke out of it.
1: Yeah they've won six in a row now I, I believe and uh, you know the the teams that are at the frozen Faceoff, you have Denver's won 11 straight North Dakota's won eight straight uh, Duluth has won six in a row and then there's St. Cloud they've won four in a row and you know the last time they lost is because it was against Duluth, you know, so basically no one has been beating these teams lately except for each other, so that should make it a really interesting one, and uh, Duluth has had a lot of trouble scoring against North Dakota this year, two goals in four games, and fairly certain one of them was off of UND's uh, defenseman uh, skate that went in, so... Um, where I was off their skates, I can't remember. There's there's an awkward one in there, too. So they've had a, a real difficult time. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what you, UND can do at the Target Center where they haven't been real good. You can
0: argue the two top goaltenders in the league right there uh, between yeah. uh, Keska and Cam Johnson, don't you think?
1: Yep. Yeah, I think those are probably the, the top two. And Charlie Lindgren would probably be the third. So yeah. um, you have some real good goaltenders down there. And uh, UND last time... It, didn't find it easy to score on Duluth either they were both two to one games so one of them was a penalty shot and uh, you know scoring uh, opportunities are at a premium this weekend.
0: So you're thinking this is going to be an (laughs) 8-7 on Friday afternoon.
1: That's fine it's an afternoon game for me I can handle uh, a wild one this time.
0: Well that's uh, what significance does this have for North Dakota to win the tournament or win a game at the tournament and not lose two games put it that way.
1: Yeah I think they're uh, aiming for the number one overall seed now um, that would probably match them up with the Atlantic hockey champion in the first round. Uh, I think if that ends up being Robert Morris that is going to be a, a very difficult matchup uh, in the first round but Robert Morris still has to get out of its uh, you know bracket they in the semis right now in Atlantic hockey so I, I think that's something you're looking at and um, you know, I think uh, North Dakota wants the number one overall seed. It would give them, you know, last change for the the entirety of the tournament and things like that. to allow Brad Berry and the coaching staff to dic- dictate matchups. So. Well, Would yeah. Robert Morris be as scary
0: as, say, an Air Force? It just seems to me that uh, Frank Saratori, in a one-game shot, kind of like his brother. <laughs> yeah. If I want to play his brother in a
1: well, one-game the, shot. Well, the way Air Force has played in the second half of the year, I, I don't think anyone's going to be eager to play them because they've been uh, very hot in the second half of the year and coming on strong. Robert Morris, I think they're scary because they have so many seniors. Um you know, I, sometimes those senior-laden teams are, are real good at that time of year. And I, I told Nate Ewell uh, back in December, whoever Robert Morris plays first round, I am going to pick Robert Morris for the upset. And now it ends up it could be UND <laughs> here. Um, it could be Quinnipiac or one of those teams too. So um, I, I like their chances. If you get the number one seed overall, will you be in St. Paul? That will depend on uh, Minnesota, whether they're in or not, I think. If Minnesota uh, does not make the NCAAs and UNDs the one overall seed, I, I think they go to St. Paul. Uh, if Minnesota's there, I think chances are they end up going to Cincinnati.
0: Okay,
1: all right, makes sense. That's
0: coming up this weekend, the NCHC Frozen face off Friday, 4 o'clock, 4.08, Faceoff uh, from the Target Center in Minneapolis. Men's basketball team, women's basketball team, men and Paul Ralston is asleep right now because they were on 12, 12 straight nights on the road. Is that what it was? That's what Coach Jones told us. It, pro- it, uh, it seemed longer. <laughs> quite, quite honestly. We did see a lot of pictures of you having uh, a decent time in Reno. You know, uh, it
2: was Did wasn't you make real, it
0: to the games?
2: <laughs> I, I did make it to quite a few games, actually. I will say that uh, they got my... My donation at the tables uh, when I was there, I I left them a nice uh, parting gift, I guess. First so.
0: question: Did Reno do a good job?
2: By and large, I would say yes. Um, I would I mean, say that certainly
0: for their first time.
2: Yeah, for their first time, I think that uh, there was quite a few notes being taken by uh, different Big Sky conference uh, officials and staff that uh, hopefully will be applied and and uh, looked at for future. But I, I, I like the concept. I like the fact that there's two tournaments going on there, the, the men's and the women's tournament. I, you know, you get everybody together. Um, it's not always the easiest place to get to. Sacramento State probably has the easiest time to get there. They just have to go up through the mountains there, and, and they're there. But, uh, but you know, I, I understand it. Concept-wise, I, I like it. Um, everybody's kind of focused in on these couple of hotels, and it's literally... a less than a three-minute walk across the street basically to, to get to the facility and, and to the Reno Event Center. So by and large, I I like it better from the standpoint of I didn't think I would. Um, I, I like the fact that we knew where we were going. We didn't know the last week of the season that, oh, now we've got to make plans to go here and, and uh, scramble. Uh, that was a lot better. I will say that Reno, to me, uh, I enjoyed it from this standpoint of uh, where Vegas, everything is new and always updated, Reno's got a little bit of a feel of, at least where we were at, of a little bit of the 1980s, and I liked that decade. So, uh, <laughs> so, so,
1: so. Were the crowds big enough, though? I, I, mean. I
2: thought the crowds weren't bad. I thought that, you know, obviously Weber State's fans traveled fairly well. Um, I, I thought that, that the the schools that brought bands or, and or cheer teams uh, added something north, uh, northern arizona that had a very tough year on both men's and women's side brought their band and their cheer team and i thought that was a nice touch and and uh you know montana and montana state did the same uh southern utah even did so the, the the schools that were able to do that added to the the entire atmosphere i thought that the the fan the fans uh weber state was probably one of the bigger ones that uh, had attendance uh, montana wasn't wasn't bad uh, the Idaho schools were okay, um, but I think it people were kind of maybe taking a wait-and-see approach as well. I don't think that they necessarily drew too many people from the Reno area uh, that went to come and see, see the event, and I wasn't necessarily expecting that, especially considering that Nevada plays in the Mountain West, and, and uh, I think most of the fan base around there has moved on from the Big Sky. But, but uh, by and large, I thought there were some fan bases
0: that traveled okay. The games were good, obviously. Huh?
2: Yeah, the the games were good. Not only for North Dakota in in that regard uh, that that were they were in some very good games, but by and large, every time you looked up, uh, no matter who was playing, that neutral court, that neutral venue, seemed to tighten everything up. Everybody seemed to have a little bit more fight in them, and and uh, there were far more games that were uh, up in the air late than than I imagined going in and and it made it for for a, a fun event from that a- aspect is that that most of these games were very competitive
0: the exception of the uh, men's game against idaho state holy that, mackerel.
2: that was something else uh for whatever reason and, and i hope this continues uh, selfishly is that north dakota continues to to have whatever it has on idaho state because idaho state was actually a very good basketball team this year their their head coach was the coach of the year um, they had one of the best players in the conference, and Ethan Telfair. And uh, for whatever reason this year, North Dakota has uh, likes to play that zone. They, that's when the shooters arrive for UND with the McDermott's and the Baldwins. And, and uh, they just bombed away in that one and, and uh, lit it up. Uh, we probably needed a few more bombs to go uh, for the next one. Maybe you could have saved a couple, but you, you can never do that uh, for the next game.
0: The overtime loss to Weber State uh, seemed like really a, a classic basketball game, a <laughs> battle between pre- two pretty good teams, and maybe the difference was the free throw line? Maybe a little bit, yeah. I think that was certainly one of the areas. The other
2: area I think that uh, sometimes is overlooked is just how good Weber State typically is at guarding the three. They don't let you have many, uh, even get many shots up from three, and uh, they're usually the best team in the conference year in, year out. I think North Dakota had like seven attempts from three in that game, and uh when you're just not getting those looks, and, and North Dakota has a couple of guys that can get those shots off, like a McDermott or a Baldwin, and you're not getting those looks, it, it makes a big difference, especially when you're talking about a Weber State team that, that has a couple of guys themselves that can make the three. And uh, it, it just kind of adds up over time. So certainly free throws factored in, maybe not being able to get as many three looks as, is, uh, as they were looking for in that game against a team that guards it really well. But it 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 really
0: came down to a shot made by, what's his name? Jeremy Jeremy Sanglin. Sanglin, Sanglin. and a shot missed by Juno Crandall. Bottom line, in the whole game, right? Make for them, miss for us.
2: Pretty much, and I would say that um, for whatever reason, and I've been thinking about this an awful lot, uh, the law of averages, you would think, would eventually play out, and they would miss a late shot. Uh, When North Dakota's played Weber State tough in games in recent years, by and large, Weber State has always made a big time, usually a three, late. Uh, it goes back to the semifinals in year one of the Big Sky. Scott Bamforth made a big three. Uh, Jeremy Sanglin has done it a couple of times against North Dakota, a late three. You would just think law of averages-wise that eventually one would just rim off just for sheer luck of it. It's not going that way right now whenever North Dakota plays Weaver State for whatever reason. It, they, they seem to make those shots in those clutch moments and you're right. Gino had a great look. Gino Crandall for North Dakota had a great look at it to close it for the win. Didn't go down. Uh, and he just made that shot, actually, three, four possessions earlier, basically. So it uh, just was one of those things. And then the overtime, uh, North Dakota had some chances and, and a couple maybe calls that didn't, that didn't go their way. And, and uh, that, that helped aid Weber State stretch it out in the extra session.
0: The women uh, took care of Montana as they have done uh, all season long and for the last couple of years, right? Uh, but then uh, they were really never in it against Idaho State, were they?
2: Idaho State was uh, very impressive. They the got, way they I played. say
0: they got Cinderella'd by Idaho State.
2: Well, the thing about Idaho State was, uh, I think if there was a, if they got if a, there was a team that got Cinderella'd, it was Montana State in the game against Idaho State because I watched that one, and uh, you know Montana State just looked just. Like they had no idea how to close that game out in the final two minutes. They kept looking around at one another, like who's going to finish this game off? And they kept looking around. And Idaho State's like, well, if you're going to keep looking around at each other, we're just going to keep scoring. So and and uh, so and then by that time, Idaho State was a believing team by that point, and and they they fully expected when they came in. I could tell in warmups when they came in against North Dakota that we we expect to win this game. We expect. To, uh, to be in, and here was the thing, is that everybody looks at the 1-9, but North Dakota, when they played Idaho State this year, there were a couple of, uh, I think Tom would, uh, if you look back at him, Tom, the, the, the two contests between the two teams were actually pretty tightly contested games, and it was just that Idaho State, I think, was able to flip a couple <laughs> categories, rebounding being one of them, and uh, that made a big difference in this one where North Dakota maybe wasn't as sharp as they needed to be on that day.
3: Yeah, Idaho State's defense was was pretty good. Um you could tell they just had North Dakota out of sync. I thought UND kinda of settled for a lot of outside looks in that game that was kinda of atypical of what they like to do. And um, you know, Maya Lloyd got got her ten points and ten rebounds, but I thought Idaho State did a nice job on her making sure she she only got perimeter looks and um you know, early in that game UND showed their their size. They got a couple into Stephanie Smith, I think, and um, I, I thought UND was going to kind of control that one, but they they got away from going inside, and um, Idaho State took advantage and seemed to make all of their perimeter shots and, and gain that kind of 10 point edge, and seemed to uh, North Dakota just never cracked into it too far.
2: Yeah, I would say that maybe the the player that was unwilling to go quietly for North Dakota was Leah Zabla. I mean, she she was driving, scoring, getting knocked to the court. I mean, she and then she was injured. You could tell she was holding her arm close to her body anytime she was not trying to score the basketball, and yet she just kept going. And they just couldn't quite get. She couldn't drag to as any other players to kind of come with her with that type of effort that was going to be needed. Because I think Idaho State had determined themselves that you're going to have to play. We're, you know you're going to have to hurt after this one, you know, basically, and or if you're going to advance, and and uh, you know, because they were just playing such great defense throughout their lineup, and and nothing was going to come easy for North Dakota on that day, and it didn't. And Idaho State and got them.
0: So everybody gets to play some more. The men's basketball team in the uh, CIT tournament in Cal Irvine is in this week uh, for an opening round game, and first time North Dakota's hosted a postseason tournament game in the Division One era. And they get uh, they get a pretty good team, don't they? I I, I, I talked with Coach Jones and he just uh, I still can't believe they're not in the NIT. Yeah, really shocking very,
3: to me. Yeah, very very tall team, I believe. <laughs> I think a long uh, team. I know everybody talks about the seven foot six center, uh, Mamadou Di. How do you uh, pronounce N-Jai. it? Nj. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um, you know everybody talks about the center, but they also I think earlier this year they were starting a six foot ten point guard yeah um so a very long team I saw yesterday a picture of North Dakota preparing for the ant eaters with uh Dustin Hoba holding up a a bag of some sort as uh kind to of trying length. yeah to, <laughs> <laughs> what is he six foot five right so he had about a foot and a half bag to uh <laughs> try to uh challenge shots with to try to uh mimic u c Irvine's length so I think that'll be some interest I think people will come out just to see uh Exactly Sounds like a circus. Yeah, a little,
2: a little bit. <laughs> I mean, really, that <laughs> seven
0: foot six, three hundred pound guy, and he can run and chew gum at the same time. You don't it, find that too often, do you?
2: You know what? If it sells a few extra tickets, Absolutely. I'm sure uh, to get a few people out to just to see it. Hurray! Hurray! <laughs> you know, uh, you have to say this about uh, the anteaters of UC Irvine, uh, a team that played Louisville uh, to a great contest in the NCAA tournament a year ago, and by and large. Uh, many of the same personnel that were involved in that, in that team. They had another very strong season, as their indi- record would indicate. I think they're, they're probably very surprised that, A, they didn't get into the NIT, but they're probably surprised that they couldn't find their way into the CBI as well. Uh, and so here they're at CIT, they're on the road. Uh, you know, And, and it's going to be kind of interesting to see because North Dakota has been through this. Couple of years ago, where North Dakota uh, missed out in the Big Sky tournament final uh, against Weber State, that was a veteran group of players, and uh, they really had a hard time getting themselves motivated against Omaha. You could tell that the emotional tank there was just nothing in it. Down, I in think Omaha. that's
3: that's the biggest thing about the CIT. Who's it, who? Who's excited to play? Yep. Um, you know, like you say, you know, does UC Irvine come in with a chip on their shoulder, saying we're going to prove everybody we should have been in the NIT, or do they say? Oh man, we're in the we're in the CIT. Let's pack it in, kind of thing. It, you know, it, I think motivation plays a big role in in how the CIT plays out.
2: I completely agree with uh, Tom in that it, he he said it best. It's going to be about uh, who's motivated to kind of continue to, to. And for North Dakota, I look at from their standpoint, they've got enough youth, and I think they just want to keep playing. Uh, from their standpoint, I think they should be. It will be interesting to see
0: where the Anteaters are coming into this one. And the women will play in the WBI tournament at home Thursday against Grand Canyon, a new uh, new on the scene in Division One basketball, right?
2: They are. Uh, I'm more familiar with their men's program because Dan Marley's the head coach of their men's uh, team, and they're actually very, uh, a very, very uh, solid men's basketball program. Their women's team obviously is uh, starting to establish themselves down there. Uh, what's interesting about it, it's, it's rare for, you know, for a for-profit institution to be competing at the NCAA uh, level, which, which makes them unique. They used to be a junior college that have uh, really utilized, uh, I guess, the community that they're a part of down there in, in the uh, Phoenix metro area uh, down in Arizona. And this women's program in the WAC had a had a pretty solid year. That's all they're eligible for is kind of a WBI event as they're going through their transition. And uh, for the UND ladies... Uh, there's nothing quite play, like playing at home for them. And uh, certainly I would expect even a, a better effort than they had in the semifinals against Idaho State. I don't know a lot about Grand Canyon, Tom, but uh, obviously to, for them to get a home game here to open up the WBI is uh, certainly special because they've been out on the road and WBI play before too. So certainly a big one on Thursday.
3: Yeah, I think, uh, I thought the Big Sky kind of got uh, a tough, Tough deal with uh, not getting very many teams into the WNIT. Um, I thought there were a few few uh, Big Sky teams that could have that landed there. And, you know, North Dakota's RPI being in the top 100, having, having some quality wins on the season. Um, I thought they could have gotten a shot in there. But uh, it will be interesting to see what Grand Canyon has. I don't, I don't know much about any of the, the WAC teams, so you know, it will be kind of fun, I guess, go with go both Grand Canyon and UC Irvine, uh, bringing in somebody completely new.
0: They beat uh, Northern Colorado and NDSU, right? Grand Canyon did. I believe, I believe so. Yes. I they did. Yep. And then Brad in Minneapolis at the Target Center, you want to give us your winners or no?
1: Oh, that's uh, a good question. <laughs> Get your coin out. I think uh, is it the really way. Is. Is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a real toss-up. I mean, I could see any one of these teams winning it, and any one of them finishing fourth. So, um, you know, I, I just think uh, the way UND's playing uh, this whole year, it's tough to pick against them, and I think they want to uh you know avenge some of their previous uh, shortcomings at the target center. They're 1 and 3 there all time. Um so uh, things haven't gone real well there and I think they want to change that.
0: I kind of like Denver in the St. Cloud game only because of the smaller rink. And I think yeah. you know St. Cloud is so great. On that big yes, they are. On the, on the 200 by 100, but I think Denver might have a little bit of an edge in the uh, on the smaller
2: rink. <laughs> and well, not only is, for that reason. I can say that uh you know I remember North Dakota being successful in the Target Center, just not since it's been in the NCHC. I remember yeah. Ryan Beta. we were just talking about him. Back uh, in, what, 2000? Was it 99, 2000? Yeah, when they know. took on Wisconsin in the champ. I went to that game, and I remember having a grand old time in the Target Center. <laughs> so it was a lot of you fun. You have a good
0: time wherever you go, Paul. Well, there that's true. Uh, a good time, Charlie, right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. Thanks, Tom Miller, Brian Schlossman, and Paul Ralston. You can subscribe to this podcast and our sister podcast, Sit Down and Cheer, on iTunes as well as on SoundCloud. And don't forget to rate the podcast a review. You can also get access to the latest releases of the podcast by following at UND Insider on Twitter. It has all the information and links on where you can listen and watch your favorite UND Sports live and on demand. So join us for an all-new podcast next week for Tom and Brad and Paul. Our executive producer, Dave Folsky, Tim Hennessy, thanks for listening and have a good week.